I'd like to invite you to turn to John chapter 10, a great suffering and sinning man of God, leader, once a boy, shepherd, then a, a, a king of a rising nation, a theocracy under God, penned these words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Because of this psalm, we are very familiar with the figure of speech of God as a shepherd to his people, his people being sheep, flock. Jacob, old Jacob, old wandering and sometimes deceptive, and finally has learned his lesson, Jacob. He was renamed Israel at the very end of his life as he blesses Joseph and his family. He puts his hands on Joseph's sons and says, the God whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long in this day. God is a shepherd to his people. Can you say that? Grandma Mundy, can you say the Lord has been your shepherd all your days? Amen. Can you young people, Teens in the front, throughout here, can you start to say, the Lord is my shepherd today. He shepherded his people through Moses and David. Moses, it says, Psalm 77, you led your people like a flock through the hand of Moses and Aaron. And in the next chapter in Psalm 78, it says he chose David from the sheepfold. And he was following nursing ooze. He brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. And God intended to have his kings and his priests and leaders and elders of Israel to be shepherds over the people, meaning they would watch, they would lead and feed and protect and take care of God's people as leaders. And yet... At the height of their wickedness, and God is now judging Israel in the Old Testament, and Ezekiel, the prophet, is told to say this, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, the leaders, prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord, ah, shepherds of Israel, who has been, who has been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourself with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed 
the sheep. Thus says the Lord, behold, I am against the shepherds. I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths. They become wolves that they may not be food for them. Then God says this in Ezekiel 34. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I will make myself lie, make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David. By the way, David's dead, dead and gone. I will set up my ser- servant David and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be a prince over among them. I am the Lord, I have spoken. Now, Jesus Christ, in this gospel of John we're looking at, John chapter 10, is the fulfillment of this prophecy. David is dead and buried in the grave, but not the son of David, or the greater David, or the true Lord of David. Jesus is the good shepherd in the midst of bad shepherds. We, we've been, if you've been following along in the Gospel of John, you, will, you need to recall how there's been bad shepherds. These bad shepherds who bring this adulterous woman to, not to care about the law or for the heart of immorality, but because they want to trap Jesus, they're exploiting people They're terrible shepherds. Or last week, we saw in John chapter 9, they take this man who had been born blind and they use him as a pawn and they cast him out of the synagogue because he would not turn on the one who who gave him sight, but instead he believed. My goal this morning is to point you to Jesus Christ in this passage of John. And with the Holy Spirit help, that you would believe on Jesus anew and have life in his name. And my prayer is that you would, by inspired scripture, spiritually see Jesus Christ, our true shepherd, and you would savor him with all your heart, young and old. It is my pursuit this morning to put before your minds and I hope your hearts by God's grace to the glory of the light of the world who is the great shepherd of the sheep. You need a shepherd. Kids, you need a shepherd. Old kids, seniors, you still need a shepherd, don't you? We need a shepherd. We always have needed a shepherd. And we so desperately need a shepherd. We are sheep. Sheep go astray. Sheep need to be fed. Sheep will wander. Sheep do not find their place by themselves. Sheep desperately need help. With this in mind, by looking at John chapter 10, I want to show you five 
glorious truths about the good shepherd. Five glorious truths about the shepherd. The the shepherd, the good shepherd is declared in this passage. I want you to see his voice. I hope you'll hear his voice too. But I want you to see that he has a voice and it's pretty special. But I'll pray and so seeing that we'll hear it. And I want you to see his care. And I want you to see his hand, his death, and his sheep. Number one, the voice. The voice of the good shepherd calls and gathers. The voice of the good shepherd calls and gathers. We see that in this this chapter. Verse one, truly, truly. Like, listen up. This is true. Count on it. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Now, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they didn't understand that he, what he was saying to them. Now, to give you a better grasp of what Jesus is saying about this important voice. Do not, I want to help you better understand this figure of speech from R.C. Sproul's words. The way sheep were cared for in ancient Israel was very different from the way that they're handled today. In in Israel, in Jesus's time, there was one large central pen or a sheepfold given for the community. And at the end of the day, people brought their small individual flocks and led them into the big sheepfold. With their combined resources, they paid a a gatekeeper, and it was his job to stay with the sheep during the night. In the morning, the gatekeeper opened the gate to those who only were the true shepherds whose sheep were enclosed in the sheepfold. So they had to have their credentials or the sheep gate, the gatekeeper knew who the shepherds were. The shepherds would enter the door for they had every right to do so. The sheep were theirs and the gatekeeper was their paid servant. When a shepherd would enter the sheepfold, the sheep of all the local flocks were mixed. He had some here, they were all mixed and he would begin to call and his sheep would recognize his voice, and they came to him. In fact, a good shepherd was so intimately involved with the care and the nurture of his sheep that he had names for them, and he would call them by name. His sheep followed him all out because they knew him. And that's what the picture that Jesus is giving in this chapter. He's saying, my sheep, among all the others, they hear my voice because I know them and they know me and they come. And he's saying, I am the shepherd and 
This shepherd calls with his voice and gathers his sheep. And Jesus is doing that in the gospel of John. The voice of the good shepherd Jesus calls out. He calls out through the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He gives the message of the good news, calling people to repent of their sins and to follow him. He brings invitations. And Jesus has been doing that for 2,000 years. He has been calling and he has been gathering sheep. The reason why you and I are Christians, if we are, is because the good shepherd has called and his voice has gone out and we have heard it and he has gathered us to himself. This shepherd has a voice and that voice brings life and gathers. We're going to see this in the next chapter, chapter 11, in which the good shepherd will say, Lazarus, come forth and his voice brings might and life to a dead corpse, Lazarus. It says in this passage that this shepherd knows his own and his own knows him and they follow him. And we'll see that at the end as we look at the sheep. There's a sovereign mystery at work when it comes down to who is Jesus' sheep, and who are, is not Jesus' sheep. In fact, in a few weeks, I'm going to preach on verse 16. We'll get there. Verse 16, in our missions focus, you see the Pharisees, or at least most of them, because there was a few Pharisees that I think repented and turned and followed Jesus and became true sheep. But the Pharisees, most of them, were not of Jesus' sheep. And they didn't hear his voice. And so Jesus can do miracle after miracle. And they're just thinking, he's doing it on the Sabbath. And he's messing up our order. We want to kill him. We want to arrest him and kill him. They, are, they don't see he's the savior of the world. He's the true shepherd gathering his sheep. I must bow down and worship him. I hope that you will hear this morning the good shepherd not Pastor Daniel, not one of the elders here. I pray that you will hear the good shepherd calling you. If you're here this morning and you have never yet truly given your life to Jesus, have been saved by his grace, having your sins forgiven, you will hear the shepherd call you and he will gather you to himself. This great shepherd does this over and over again and he does it in so many invitations. And in Matthew chapter four, he said, come, follow me. He says, come you who are weary and burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest in Matthew chapter 11. He said to children, let the children come to me. He says to his early disciples, come and see, I'm going to show you great things. He said, and we've seen this passage already, anyone thirsty, let them come to me and drink. And I will bring true satisfaction and I will give you my Holy Spirit and it will change you forever. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He says, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Take up your cross and follow me. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And true Christians... True sheep, hear the voice of this glorious shepherd and they follow 
and he gathers them. Oh, I pray. I pray that you would once again hear and in your hearts you would rejoice and just sit here, if you're a Christian, sit here and go, thank you, good shepherd of my soul, that I heard your voice and I followed. And even this morning, I remember your voice is going out and I recognize it and you know me and I know you and it is all because of your grace. Praise you. And if you're here and you, that's not true of you, it, would, it is of God right now that he is using this word through a messenger to say, hear the voice of Jesus and follow, and he will receive you. That's the voice of the shepherd. I want you to see the care of the shepherd. One of the most glorious picture, the truths about the picture of the shepherd is the care a shepherd gives. I'm a pastor. The word pastor literally means shepherd. A shepherd of sheep, like spiritually within a church. Shepherds in, the, in, in Bible times and even just literal shepherds, that picture, they need to know their sheep. We saw this. They know who they are. They call them. And they need to feed their sheep. They need to protect their sheep. They need to lead their sheep. I want you to see the care of the good shepherd as he provides abundantly. Look at verse 7. So Jesus again, now he switches metaphors, but not very far. He moves it to this idea of gate or door. So Jesus again says to him, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out and find pasture. Pasture is the place where they will feed and find nourishment and provision and care. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. See, Jesus is saying, I'm the door the way to God's sheepfold, the way to God's pasture, the way to God's care through God's shepherd, who also is the gate, the door to God, is to enter through him, and whoever enters through him is saved and finds pasture. And this shepherd, who is also the gate to God's way, this shepherd gives life and it's not measly thimblefuls of life, not measly teaspoons or eyedroppers of little grace, of little help, but I come to give life and to give it abundantly. If you were to skip down, and why don't you do that? Look down at verse 27, the second half of 27 of this same chapter. He says, my sheep... Hear my voice, there's the voice again, and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life. This is a theme throughout John. We are Christians and we rejoice. Eternal life is ours. And it's not just if you're saved, you have received eternal life and it's not just for the future. Eternal life has begun now, and it's life that is abundant. Jesus is the good shepherd. He knows exactly 
what we need as sheep, and he cares for us abundantly. If you're feeling so afflicted inwardly, things that you can't describe, it could be depression and, or just discouragement or feeling completely spiritually blah or dead or you might feel anxious or you might feel angry. You might be here today and you feel overwhelmed by the pressures financially. You might feel overwhelmed relationally by situations that you feel are completely out of your control or was because of your fault. The shepherd comes and he promises to give you help. Jesus came and he offered so many things as a shepherd all together. And ultimately he says, I give you eternal life. I give you eternal life. And it begins now by the Holy Spirit coming in you and giving you a life and a river that lasts and flows and is alive. He promises to give peace. Peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid, he says in John 14. He gives rest for the weary in Matthew 11. He gives guidance. He is the fulfillment of trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge me and I will guide you and direct your path. He is the shepherd that leads us by beside still waters and leads us in paths of righteousness. Jesus says, I came that you may have life and life abundantly. It didn't mean you get to describe what life abundantly is. It didn't mean that you get to describe and determine what is abundant life because we wouldn't choose very well. He knows better. Instead, he is shaping and directing and sculpting and forming and disciplining us in the next 50, 60, 70, 80 years, if God gives it to us, for eternal joy and glory. This shepherd's care provides protection. We're going to see that in a few minutes. And comfort. He gives the comforter, the Holy Spirit, and meets our needs and gives joy and ultimately salvation. All who enter through him are saved. Saved from their sins, rescued to God. Dear friend, faith church member, visitor, Christian or non-Christian, consider the care of the Good Shepherd. He provides for you and me, for all who come to Him. Would you go another day without the shepherd's care? How could you do so? How could you think and imagine living this life full of wolves and dangers? Dangers that come from outside of you that are attacking you, and they surely will, whether they be cellular, meaning germs and diseases, or evil people, or some of our greatest problems are coming from within, our own wandering. Our own sinfulness. We're the biggest problem. We know that if we're honest. Oh, we need the shepherd's care. And this shepherd has come to rescue feeble, broken, weak, wandering, astray sheep. 
and he never leaves those who are his real sheep. He gives them eternal life. He gives them his spirit. He is that gate. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear to him and bring to him. It's a privilege to carry everything to him in prayer. There is not a friend like the lowly Jesus. As the song goes, no, not one, no, not one. None else can heal all our soul's diseases. Jesus knows about all our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. You see the shepherd here? I want you to see, thirdly, I want you to see not only the voice of the shepherd, the care of the shepherd, and these all kind of overlap, but I want you to see specifically the hand of the shepherd, the hand of the shepherd, and the hand of the good shepherd protects eternally. Look with me at the second part of verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. See what he's saying here? They will never perish. If you are his sheep, this passage says, the Father gave you to Jesus. Just let that just blow your mind this morning. If you are a Christian, if you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, you don't have to understand election to, to, to experience the joy of this. You don't have to understand when this, was, this happened and all this, but it says here that all of the sheep that come to Jesus are given by the Father to Jesus. They were, they're in the, but they're still in the Father's hands because he says no one can snatch them from the Father's hand. And it said, and Jesus, the good shepherd says, I give you life and no one will snatch you out of my hand right after he said, you, they will never, ever perish. That sounds pretty secure to me. Once you've been saved by God's grace, you are always saved by God's grace. If you lose salvation, you never had it to begin with. Why will they never perish? Well, is it because we're so prone to hold on to God tight? How many of you have been Christians for a long time? How well have you done in holding to God tight every day of your life? Not me. And I'm guessing you've stumbled many times and would have to confess and say, if it was left to me to hold on to his hand, I'm in trouble. You see, I could never hold fast enough. We're going to end with singing, He Will Hold Me Fast, in a few minutes. I could never hold fast enough for my grip is filled with weakness of my own sin and fickleness. I could just get excited about other things and get really discouraged and start having doubts and weak, my weakness, my sin, I have traitorous thoughts towards him, running to other things to find my security, my satisfaction. If it was left to me, I wouldn't hold fast. As one 
person said, if I could lose my salvation, I would. But I don't because He holds me fast. We do hold fast to Him. We do. But only because His hand is holding me. When I would take my kids hiking when they were little, and we'd go on a a rocky ravine or a bridge of some kind in which you look over and if you fell, you would perish. I would grab hold of, say, my little Elijah or Mary, and I would grab their hand. I did not say, now, hold my hand, child, now, or else you will fall to your death. I never said that. I would grab their hand, and whether they liked it or not, because they thought they were good and they were fine, and they didn't need their hand held that tight. And I would hold them, and if they went fallen, I would, they'd be hanging on my hand because I, a father who loved them, would not let them go if I had all, all the ability to do so. So it is, so far much greater is it with the Lord Jesus, who he says, this great shepherd's hand says, you're in my hand. I just was pondering this passage. Yes, this passage speaks of security. It speaks on the security of those who truly come into a sheepfold and become a sheep. And he says, you can never lose your salvation. I will always care for you. I will never let you go and you will never perish. But it also just dawned on me, I'm in his hand. I'm in his hand today. No one's going to be able to pluck it from my hand, but I'm in his hand. What a great place to be. The best place to be is in the hand of our shepherd, and we are in his hand, even though a lot of times it will not feel like it we're in his hand, or it will feel like we're in his hand, and that hand is squeezing, and it's hurting, and we don't like it. But he cares for us. You see, this shepherd is a loving shepherd who cares for us. There are some people who believe that we can lose our salvation, but you cannot find a way of losing your salvation with this secure verse for a believer. No one, no one can. If you object and say, yes, I know that no one can pluck me out of the Father's hands or Jesus' hand, But I can choose to pull myself away because there's free will, right? To which I'll answer, really? Does a loving shepherd or father allow a child to do such a thing? I would never do such a thing and neither does this verse, this truth, and so many others allow for such a thing. Do we really have the strength to fall out of the shepherd's hand, much less the father's hand? And do you see how the work of God the Father and God the Son, and I could say God the Holy Spirit, is at work securing us. Jesus doesn't just say, I'm this great shepherd, and this shepherd holds you, and you, you will never perish, and you'll never be plucked out of your hand. He goes on to say, and the Father who gave you to me, no one will pluck it out of his hand. Oh, how secure we are. A sheep. Oh, do you know the security? I hope that you would run to Christ this morning. Maybe you are a Christian, but you have not been enjoying the security and the love and the care and the protection that He has, both for eternity and for today. Would you, would you call? 
Would you get help and talk with us? And we'd love to pray with you. If you're here and you say, I don't have any security because I've never come yet to the to the shepherd, would you come to him today and he'll take you in his hand if you will receive him, if you will but confess your sins and repent and turn to him. He leads us to still waters and green pastures, making us secure. I want you to see what I think really is the foundation to all of this, all of this care and hand work of the shepherd in number four, the death of the good shepherd. I want to say it this way, the death of the good shepherd verifies and fulfills. We can say so many more things about the death of the shepherd. In the midst of this beautiful, I guess, monologue that Jesus gives to Jews and disciples and to Pharisees, he says, I am the good shepherd. Verse 11, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand, a hireling, and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. Verse 13, he flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Verse 15, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. For this reason, verse 17, for this reason, the Father loves me because I laid down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it up for me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my Father. See what Jesus is saying? He's saying, I am this good shepherd and this good shepherd lays down his life for a sheep and it verifies that I'm really the shepherd. I'm the real thing. I'm not a hireling. They're my sheep. I lay down my life for my sheep. I care for my sheep. I am, And it verifies that I have authority. My authority of laying down is, oh, don't think that they're just taking it from me, that I'm just a victim of a political system of the Romans or the Jews or whoever to actually arrest me and crucify me in a Roman court and a Roman execution. I laid down my life by my own authority and I take it back up again and will raise from the dead. I do this and it is a mark that I am truly the good shepherd. I am God who has come to rescue his people like only God could rescue his people from their sins. While this passage does not speak to all that this death of the shepherd means, we find passage after passage, both in the Old Testament foreshadowing and in the New Testament of what Jesus is going to do and mean. Like where I was in Easter season in Isaiah 53, Verse 6, all we like sheep, there's that analogy, have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to our own way. That's sin, rebellion. It says, and the Lord has laid on him. This, who's the him here? Well, we're going to say the good shepherd who in Isaiah 53 is the suffering servant of God the Messiah, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, the death of the shepherd 
does verify that he's the real shepherd and he's really God and he's really taking care for our sins. For our sake, this shepherd was made to be sin. He became a sacrificial lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. For our sake, this shepherd became sin. He never knew any sin. So that in him, in his laying down his life for the sheep, we might become the righteousness of God. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, as the people of Israel were dying because of their wickedness, serpents were sent after them to kill them and punish them for their rebellion. Moses said, now put up a bronze serpent and put it up there. And everybody looks at that bronze serpent, they'll live and they'll be healed by the deliverance of God. This servant serpent was the judgment of God and the deliverance of God. And so Jesus comes and he's going to be judgment, but he's deliverance to all who look upon him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, this great shepherd, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. This leads us to a last point, one which we'll look more fully at in a few weeks. Actually, the last week of October. We're going to have some missions in the next two weeks. Mission speakers. If this is our shepherd, do you hear his voice? This is our shepherd. Do you see his care? This is our shepherd. Do you see the hands that guard and protect and love and never let go? You see his life who lays it down in his own authority that we might have life. We see the sheep of the good shepherd. The sheep. The sheep hear, they know, they follow. I stand here as a pastor saying, most humbly, though I'm a shepherd, I'm a sheep. I'm so thankful that I'm a sheep. I'm thankful that by God's grace, I know him. I don't know him like I should. I should know him a lot better than I do. I've missed chances. I hear his voice. I, I need to hear it better. So often I listen to other things that my ear hearing gets bad. I follow him. I wish I followed him better, but I do follow him. Is that your testimony? The sheep know and hear and follow. He says, my sheep, verse 27, hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. To him, the gatekeeper, verse 3, at the beginning of this chapter, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. God knows us by name and calls us out. That's what his sheep do. True sheep hear his voice. Do you hear his voice? Are you just listening to all the voices in this world and you do not recognize the voice of Jesus Christ and do not care? He's not special to you. He might, you might in your head think he's theoretically, in, your, in theory, he is God, but it means nothing to me. Jesus says that's not true if you really are his sheep. If you're his sheep, you hear his voice. 
The type of hearing you hear is a type of seeing that Lazarus experienced in chapter 11 when as a dead corpse, Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And a dead person became alive and they followed him. We hear because of the grace of God calling by the Holy Spirit. We hear and we follow. Would you hear this morning? Oh, I prayed and I do pray that you'll hear this morning. I know that most of you are professing Christians, but in every church there are people who confess to be Christians. Their profession or confession is a false one. Sometimes not because they think they're deceiving, but they are self-deceived. Do you know him? And more importantly, does he know you? Does he know you in this way? Does he say, I know you, you are mine? Because when I call you, you follow having heard me. You follow, not perfectly, but when you sin, you confess your sin. When you stumble, you get up and you look to me. And you know this because my Holy Spirit is in you. And my hand never stops being underneath you to care for you. Oh, would you this morning, if you are not his sheep, I have special permission from the shepherd, the chief shepherd, to give you an invitation to his sheepfold. If you will but confess your sin, your rejection of him, you're not believing him, you're not following him, you're not obeying God's law, you're sinning against him like we all do and all find ourselves to do. You confess that to him and admit that you cannot save yourself. You cannot be the shepherd of your life. You need him to do so. And you needed that he laid down his life for you. If you receive what he offers to you, it's a miracle. A miracle that happens all of the time. And he will give you his life. He will take you in his hand And he will be your shepherd and you will be his sheep forever because of the blood of Jesus Christ who is shed for you. Oh, that we would hear the call to follow and find ourselves and rejoice as a sheep. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. Would you bow with me as we pray, as we finish this service? Oh God, I pray that you would please... Allow sheep to hear your voice once again. I pray that you would allow sheep who are not yet your sheep to hear your voice and come. Oh God, I pray that Faith Church, this building, would be filled with messengers from the shepherd and through our message, that voice would just keep ringing and people would keep hearing and being saved and changed forever. I pray for all the babies that are are not yet born as they're going to enter into this world and enter into our church over the next years. I pray that they would hear the voice of the shepherd and would follow. I pray that the teenagers in this room and represented from this church would hear the voice and follow. I pray that their parents would and those that are single, those that are in different stages of life, empty nesting and seniors, I pray that we would hear sometimes for the first time and our hearts would leap for joy and say, is that what it is to hear the shepherd? He's the only thing worth following. I pray that we do that. God, please help us as we finish this service. Help us to make this final song a song of joyful resolve and confession of how you hold us fast. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing.